Hello, and welcome to the Ever Widening Circles podcast, designed to give you more joy, less fear, and no end to the evidence that a brighter future is possible. We want you to hear from thought leaders in a wave of progress well underway around the globe that almost no one knows about. This podcast will give you hope for the future and countless practical tips and perspectives so you can take control of your life online. I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of Ever Widening Circles. Since 2014, we've been restoring people's hope in the future by writing thousands of articles about insight and innovation going uncelebrated. And along the way, we've been having incredible conversations with thought leaders that we are now sharing with the world. Today, I'm chatting with thought leader Carl Sona, entrepreneur, podcaster, and happiness expert. So welcome, Carl. Help me further introduce people to your work. Wow. Thank you so much, Dr. Linda. It's a pleasure to be with you again and to be with your awesome community here at Ever Widening Circles. And yeah, I mean, you know, you hit the nail on the head. Entrepreneur, that's something that I've always grown up around. My dad is probably the biggest hustler I know and came from a itty bitty country in West Africa called Cameroon in the late 80s. And so a lot of my upbringing was the next venture. <laughs> and I could just see him and my mom in the kitchen as he'd be pitching my mom, right? She's the first one you got to get on board with the next business idea. So I think I kind of got the spirit for, you know, innovation and ideas and actually taking action from him. The podcaster thing came about uh, fairly recently over the past couple years or years or so, I've really gotten a lot of enrichment in my personal journey as a human being from various ideas that I've gotten from podcasting. And I felt like, you know what? I've learned so much. It's time to share some of this information out with other people in my network. It kind of goes back to the old principle of, you know, to really learn something, you don't learn by just taking in information. You got to first take in the information, you got to apply it and you got to share it. So that's where the whole idea for podcasting came from. And I've since started a company to help people like yourself further their message through this beautiful medium that people are listening to. And then the happiness expert, I want to touch on that very briefly. That sort of came about actually at the conference that you and I met at here in Colorado, where I was trying to figure out how to start to share a little bit more about who I was in an authentic and meaningful way. And so through a tremendous amount of brainstorming, I was like, what is it that I really hope at the end of the day, people come away from in every interaction with myself, whether it be in person or through an audio recording such as this. And what I landed on was a smile on their face. <laughs> it's, it's what I try to start my day with. When I look at myself in the mirror, you always have a choice, right? No matter how you're feeling or what's going on. And my goodness, this has been a very, very crazy year with all the tests that COVID has put us through. I choose to smile and, and that smile makes me feel happy. So I just wanted to expound on those three points for your audience today. Mm. And hopefully that does a good job of letting them know a little bit about who I am. That is so lovely. You know, there's, I, I can't recall who, who said it or if it's related to some great world philosophy, but there's that notion that, that, you know, you've lived a good life. If 20 years after you've gone, people still smile when they say your name. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I took a, a long time to dive deep into your work today. And I'm pretty sure that will happen when your name is spoken someday. 
because <laughs> you've already done so much and you've got some long way to go. So, Carl, your work makes me think that you can see a vision or a, a version, maybe is a better word, of the future that is limitless. And that's a hard, hard thing to to get going, especially in these times that it seems like there's just one obstacle after another. So, you know, you've had a goal, you've made a personal goal, you've decided what your purpose is, and yet you seem so open to what, what's going on. Talk to me about that kind of limitlessness and being, being lucky enough to discover your purpose. Yeah. So honestly, I think it all starts with curiosity. And I have to start with how it is I'm even here. And it's from my parents. I, I briefly mentioned my parents come from a small country in West Africa. And it's a country that's absolutely beautiful, that's near and dear to their hearts. But it's one in which there are not that many options or opportunities for people, you know, born to a, a very normal class, put it that way. Right. So rather than them say, you know what? This is what's shown to us. We're just going to stay here the rest of our lives and, you know, become farmers or live off of the land that we've been given. We're going to reach for the stars. We're going to go to America, right? And we're going to see what we're really made of. And that's what they did back in those days. Getting a visa to come to America was very similar to winning the lotto here in the United States, right? People play the lotto and they're really hoping to make it big and they're really hoping to kind of break out of their shell. And that's what my parents did. So at a very early age, I realized that we all have the ability and we all have the possibility, if you will, to actually break through situations that were placed in situations that for all intents and purposes, we would tell ourselves are just meant to be what they are. And so I realized this situation and I was like, you know what? I'm so fortunate. I am never going to be complacent in my life. I'm going to find a way to really push the envelope and to really, I guess, capitalize on the opportunity that I've been given to be born here in America, knowing where it is I come from. And Dr. Linda, one thing I'm going to keep you in mind is we have so many relatives that are still in Cameroon that are still living very underneath the poverty line. And so I grew up with this guilt. You know, I grew up with this guilt knowing that I had privilege and I had access, but people from my bloodline didn't. And so it, it, from a very young age, I decided that I was going to find a way to make the most of my life so that I could pay it forward for those that didn't have that same chance. And that's really where a lot of my passion comes from. That's really where a lot of this curiosity boils deep within me to see what it is I can do again, to just be a shining example and to find a way to pay it forward for folks. Mm, lovely. You know, what you just said reminds me of this great thing that I, I tell I've told my children all my life is that with, with good fortune comes great responsibility. Big time, big time. And <laughs> I remember being like five years old, literally listening to my parents in the next room arguing. Uh, they weren't arguing, but they were like having a phone conversation with a family member back home. And back in the days, you know, the line was never really good. There's a lot of static. So you had to like literally holler at the top of your lungs to get your thoughts out. And they were saying something along the lines of, we don't have enough money this month to send back for tuition fees for one of my younger cousins. And I'm sitting on my bed. I'm looking at my perfectly pressed uniform for Catholic grade school, you know, because my parents worked so hard to really put me in the best education system. I'm like, 
what gives, man? <laughs> so, yeah, I absolutely understand what you're saying when you talk about, you know, for those that receive, much is expected. And it's how I really try to live my life. It's the intention that I really work to govern myself off of. And I got to tell you, it's leading to a lot of exciting things. So, you know, at this juncture, we could take a little detour because I'm sure things have not been just ducky for you. Yeah. Right? I mean, you were talking about privilege and opportunity and, and good fortune, but I don't know very many people that things just go their way all the time. And right. I'm sure you've seen it for yourself, this this trying to find opportunity in disaster. Tell me some, some stories that would, because these are the choices you've also made, many, many choices that have led you out of disaster to this moment. So mm-hmm. give us a feel for how the ups and downs go for you. Yeah. I mean, I think you don't have the opportunity to enjoy an up without really being brave enough to weather a season of being down. And and this is something that I'm learning more as of late. I mean, hell, 2020 has definitely been a huge teaching opportunity for that lesson. And it's a lesson that I think we need to continue to be open to and we need to continue to remind ourselves of. But I mean, I guess one of my very early moments of adversity that I'll share is you know, growing up, I actually had a desire to become a physician like yourself. <laughs> In our African culture, you have one of a couple of paths, you know, physician, lawyer, or engineer. And ultimately, those wishes that ultimately stem from our parents come from a desire that they have for us as their kids to be stable and to be responsible human beings that don't have to come and bug them for a buck <laughs> on the on the back end. So, that was my goal. And and not to mention, it was also my dad's dream when he came to America. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for him. So I sort of inherited that goal. And I did the whole thing. You know, I went to a prep school for high school. I took all the AP and advanced classes, worked my way into a great college, declared a biomedical engineering pre-med. And then I got to college and I realized that that is not at all what I wanted to do. And Dr. Linda, Talk about a sincere internal conflict where you're starting to realize you don't want to go this path, but it's the path that your parents have sort of set before you. And not only have they set that path before you, they've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars ensuring that this investment leads to the return that they ultimately want to see. And I realized my sophomore year that I had one life to live. And I had to ultimately self-advocate for myself. So I went home that fall semester, at the end of that fall semester, and I sat my parents down. I just said, hey, listen, guys, I completely love the love that y'all have given me. And I completely love all the sacrifice and all the hard work that you've put into me. But I got to be honest with you. This is not what I want to do. And oh my God, try to get those words out. I remember like the back of my throat being like sandpaper. <laughs> I, w- I, w- I was so scared because again, growing up in, in our culture, it's very much your parents are on a pedestal and you are the child. Like you fall in line. You don't dare to speak out of turn. You know, I, I know it can be different in other cultures here in America. So that took a tremendous amount of courage from me. And my mom was open to it, but my dad, I'll never forget the look of disappointment on his face. He turned the cheek and he probably didn't talk to me for like a week. Oh. <laughs> and I'm not even exaggerating. So that was super hard just on my heart. I think that was like the first little like dose of heartbreak 
but it's led to me sort of living life on my terms and I, on my terms rather. And, and I had to sort of figure out a new path and I'm still figuring out that path. And there's nothing more to this day that drives me more than wanting to maximize my potential, but also wanting to show my parents that my way led to a beautiful outcome, you know? So that pursuit and the ups and downs that come with it certainly just give me a lot of juice, quite frankly, to keep on going and, and to really embrace everything that comes with it. Well, that that does go back to these these goals that we have to remain flexible in and that we I, I like to talk about the compass of intention that we have. If we it, instead of making hard and fast goals, we just say, you know, my intention. Actually, I'm a dentist for 30 years, not a physician. And I'll tell you why. It goes back to a story exactly like you just told, Carl. My dad was one of those last of the Mohican physicians who delivered your baby, took out your tonsils, met you in the emergency room when your kid ran the motorbike through a barbed wire fence and sewed him all back together, thousand stitches. But we never saw him, ever. He just wasn't in our lives because he was so darn busy serving the humanity and others. And I had to have that conversation, the same conversation with him, only what what happened was he wanted us to be physicians, my husband and I both, because we were childhood sweethearts. Mm-hmm. And I had to, next door was Dr. Doolin, the dentist. And he drove in that driveway every night at six o'clock sharp. And he was at every baseball game and every swim meet with his kids. And so that was the little bit of the twist that I have on having to have a similar conversation yeah. with what your parents' expectations are for you. But, but you know, after he, he went through the week of not speaking as well, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, if you can make your case and you, obviously you had really worked on that. Yeah. I think these difficult conversations are what we need to have more of now. If we are thoughtful before we just launch, if we don't go over a cliff with our emotions, if we say, Oh, I can't this I'm not th- I haven't thought this through well enough yet. So my husband and I had really thought that conversation through, but you're right. Having the difficult conversations can be hard on your heart because that was certainly hard on my heart. My dad had given his whole life to others. Mm-hmm. So you got any more little quick words of wisdom on having difficult conversations? Yeah, I, I want to add to that. You know, if it's hard on your heart and you feel as though it's bigger than you. I really want to challenge and I really want to more so encourage everybody to sit with that. And I think it kind of goes to what you were just saying. You know, there is a moment before jumping off the cliff where you've got to be willing to take a deep breath, sit with that emotion and sort of think about what could come about if you are brave and courageous enough to have the conversation, right? Courage doesn't come without the, without the presence of fear. So I think it's important that we normalize that fear. And I think that's what keeps a lot of people sort of stuck on the cliff and doing the very thing that, that ultimately takes away from their happiness and that keeps them stuck. It's like they're telling themselves, Oh my God, like for me to do this, there's got to be no fear. No, I mean, actually fear. And you, you know, this more than me, because, you know, you studied the sciences and you have a professional degree behind your name. You know, that fear is actually a biological or physiological response that comes about because our body is preparing us for an exciting opportunity. (laughs) And it's up to us to choose how we actually rationalize that fear. So I was able to do that in that conversation. And 
Having the conversation, yeah, I mean, it definitely came with a tremendous amount of fear and, 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 and challenge and difficulty. But even after that week was up, things started to improve. I, I think, I think we, we need to tell ourselves, we need to give ourselves hope that like things can get better. You know, you're going to have that, that difficult season. You're going to have that down and you've just got to be prepared to sort of weather it, but times will improve. Light will come out of darkness. So I just really want to give people that hope for anybody that's struggling with a difficult conversation. There's so much beauty in having the difficult, the uh, difficult conversation. It's not enough anymore to just, you know, shuffle it under a rug and pretend like it doesn't exist. That energy is going to have to go somewhere. And oftentimes for the folks that just shuffle it under a rug and pretend like it doesn't exist, it ends up coming about in a really catastrophic type of situation, whether it be a broken relationship, whether it be self-harm in one way or another. So I just really advocate people to try to lean into that discomfort as much as possible. Yeah, because the the kind of instances you just you just mentioned, then you're getting shoved off the cliff. Yeah. You literally have to think as you're falling through the air. Yeah. Whereas if you can really be thoughtful about, I always tell people to have, when they have difficult conversations, to really consider the other, to really consider what they both want. And I'm sure you were, you were able to position this because your parents want you to be happy. They want you to use your specific alchemy, you know. Right. And I'm sure you thought that through enough to to figure out how to position this conversation so they were getting something they wanted too. Absolutely. And the last thing I'll add is having the difficult conversation is quite frankly a skill that can be learned and acquired over time. In the beginning, it's going to be hard because there's awkwardness and all these different things. And maybe you're just not used to being forthcoming with how it is you're really feeling. But if you're wrestling with something right now, if you feel like there is a situation in your life right now that's just whacking you over the head and you really want to give yourself freedom and autonomy from that situation, I really encourage you to take it head on and use it as an opportunity. Use it as practice, quite frankly, to start learning the skill sets around having a difficult conversation and self-advocating because it only makes the next one a little easier and the next one after that a little easier and so on and so forth. Over and over it works like that. If you can just summon that courage to make that first leap, the next one's not half as hard. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Pause here and then when we come back, I'm going to I'm going to pause here so that we can give some really good light on some organizations that make this podcast possible. And when we come back, we'll talk about some more practical tips about how we navigate these challenging times. I'm going to take a break from our chat to tell you about a fantastic company, Boone Supply. Boone Supply has a line of really high quality and responsibly sourced water bottles, kitchen reusables, grocery bags, and more. But here's the truly wonderful part. With Boone Supply, you can shop by cause. Just select the cause you want to support at the bottom of their homepage, whether it be emergency relief, animals in nature, equality and justice, or many, many more. And they will donate a whopping 40% of your purchase price to the cause you select. They've donated over, wait for it, $100 million to date. So you help the environment with eco-friendly products while also giving to important causes. 
Ever Widening Circles is a Boone Supply affiliate, which means that when you purchase from Boone Supply by using the link in the show notes below, we get a small commission from your purchase. And that really means the world to us. And you're going to be supporting some fantastic causes at the same time. This is truly a win-win-win situation. And all you have to do is purchase from Boone Supply by using the link down below in your show notes. Thank you so much. Okay, so we're back with Carl Sona. Carl, we're, we're just getting into the real meat of things there. And I want to make sure people have these, have these real fundamentals. What I discovered when I did a deep dive on Carl Sona and your, your Instagram, your social media is so great and helpful and useful. I'd encourage people to just really start searching this wonderful constellation of things that you've created. You talk a lot about the power of curiosity. Let's get really practical about what that means. No, no lofty, weird terms for, you know, group dynamics and all that. What does it mean? Where, where have you just summoned the courage to be curious and it made you, it allowed you to have a right hand turn into a whole new world? Yeah. So curiosity, man. I mean, I think that drives everything that I do and it really comes down to one question. And it's a question that I think is very universal that every human being has considered and probably considers on a regular basis. And that question very simply is what if? Now, what if can be looked at through a positive lens or through a negative? And I think all too often we look at it through a negative and we start to consider all the bad things that may happen to us or that we may experience as a result of going after that new opportunity or picking up and moving to a new city or whatever the situation may be. I personally choose to look at it through the positive lens. And I personally choose to think of, wow, who could enter in my life? How can I grow and become a better human being? What could this idea actually manifest into and, and what could it become that that ultimately brings about more happiness and more positivity in the world? And I think where it really began for me was probably about three years ago, three and a half years ago. I was living in Nashville, Tennessee at the time. And I just noticed that I was sort of living my life according to my normal routine. You know, routines can be great and all, but sometimes I think they cut us off from the what if possibility of beautiful things coming in. And I, I, I had, you know, I had my, your, your stereotypical labels on my life. I was a corporate sales guy. You know, I was a friend. I was a boyfriend. I was, you know, one of the guys, all these, all these sort of conventional identity labels placed on me that ultimately helped me govern how it is. I thought I was supposed to be showing up into the world. Yeah. And then literally one day I came into my, into my apartment. I had these, these beautiful views of, of Nashville, just checking out like the sprawling hills. It was a gorgeous sunny day. And I sat down on my couch and I glanced up at the ceiling fan and it, it was just kind of, you know, going around in circles ever so gently. And I felt as though the fan, this is so weird, Dr. Linda, but I felt like the fan was representative of all the time that I was wasting. If you can imagine that, right? With every revolution that turned, I just felt like it was a representation of the what ifs, the beautiful what ifs that I was missing out on. And so I started to go a little bit deeper on that. <laughs> and that spark of curiosity came back. So hopefully that, that provides a little bit of context as to where this idea and this love of curiosity comes from that ultimately really guides everything that I, that I've been doing from that point forward. 
So I'm taking notes through all our conversations. So if you see me looking down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, same. Okay. So when you bring up this what if, I, I think we're, we're all wired a bit different on the what if end of things. And it takes a lot of discipline for some people to finish that what if sentence with a positive, right? I mean, you know, it, it, it could come down to so many of us have experienced childhood trauma. Oh, yeah. So any of us have been in situations where we felt powerless. And so it's easy to finish the what if sentence it, in, in protect myself from danger mode. <laughs> right. So I find that the people who are the most magical thought leaders I am lucky enough to talk about, they have this way of paying attention to the stories they're telling themselves. There's no doubt about it. Their mental chatter is way different than the people creating all the chaos on the internet right now. Mm-hmm. I don't care if they're on my team or somebody else's team politically. If, if you're just spouting off the very first thing that comes in your mind, I mean, I don't know about you, Carl, but my first thoughts are not that good. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to really process things and ask myself better questions. I see you say that quite a bit in your social media feed. Ask better questions, right? So talk to yeah. me about uh, talk to me about how it feels and whether and this this whole the stories we we're telling ourselves. Sounds like you pay attention very carefully to the stories you're telling yourself. Yeah, and I didn't always, you know, th- there is so much happening in the subconscious mind that we are unaware of. And a lot of it comes from our programming. You know, the conversations that we're actively engaging in that are the same sort of conventional conversations with the same sort of limiting thoughts, the feeds that we allow to, you know, come into our our social media, the news, for instance. Right. And these are all things that you obviously go very narrow and deep on at ever widening circles. So I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. I'm simply suggesting to people today that there is so much that we take on as truth and belief for ourselves that come from those things that are external of us. So th- that's, that's the first step truthfully. And again, back to the Nashville story that I just shared with you, I had sort of, I had sort of lost sight of that. Like I, I didn't realize how I was limiting myself based off of the environment that I was in. And, and, and that's where I really started to kind of, I started to try to find ways to pierce the bubble is the kind of the best way I can kind of the best imagery I can concert, sort of create for the audience. I was trying to find ways to pierce the bubble to allow new thoughts and new ideas to come into my orbit. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I chose to, I chose to find and to intentionally, to rigorously intentionally seek out new thoughts from people that seem to be vibrating on higher frequency and, and higher levels than what I was at that time. And the funny thing was, is that all of a sudden, as I was taking in new thoughts and new ideas, my perception of my abilities and uh, my thoughts started to positively shift. All of a sudden, I was able to realize, oh, my God, you know, those negative thoughts that you have in the morning where you're telling yourself you're inadequate or you're too stupid to try something new or whatever the case may be, those aren't who you are. Those don't actually make you, Carl. That's just a negative thought. And it took, it took me literally seeking out 
people that have figured this out in their own lives, living their own journeys to actually shed some light on the fact that that's just part of the human experience sometimes. And if you're not willing to sort of quote unquote, break the matrix, how do you know that there is something more positive for you to actually ingest and then to actually implement and then conduct your life off of? I hope I'm not talking too high level here. Does any of that make sense, Dr. Linda? Absolutely. I think it's, it's being, being attentive to what we give our attention to. Yes. Yes. It's, and you talk about this, it's, it's being willing to pause and ask yourself a question like, gee, what is this message really saying and who is it coming from? And you know, what, what's their idea and, or their agenda behind it before just consuming the message and taking it on as like fact or truth. Does that make sense? And, and, and I think because the world moves so fast, I think the beautiful thing about the opportunity in 2020 is that we're not moving as fast as what we are traditionally used to. So I think that this really creates an environment and in a scenario through which we can start to challenge what it is we are seeing. And it starts by creating a filter where you come across something, pause for a second right? Let's not be so trigger happy (laughs) and just allow something that could quite frankly be toxic waste in our orbit. Let's filter real quick and say, hey, is this message something that can expand me or is this message something that will cause me to contract? That's a very quick little filter that I use that I think is a very practical one for anybody to implement. And if it passes the sniff test, okay, maybe it's something you can engage with further. But if it's something that's going to trigger you in such a way or that's going to cause feelings of inadequacy or comparison and all these different things that we ultimately you know, associate with social, maybe it's something that's not for you. And there's a beautiful button that says unfollow. You can unfollow that, that medium or, or that content source and put a permanent block from that thing coming into your orbit, right? That's going to diminish your light and your happiness. Yeah. You know, this is so funny that we should have gone in this direction because I'm getting interviewed a lot in the media about how we navigate the role of the internet in our lives. And how I, always, I often say that before there was an internet, we lived our lives. <laughs> yes. Imagine that. And what we had was a personal life and a working life. And there were some really, really profound social contracts about never letting the two affect each other, right? Remember that? It just was like socially illegal to drag your personal life into work or vice versa. And now we have a third life, our life online. And it seems to be ruining the other two, or at least ruining our ability to have confidence and find as much joy as might be in our our lives because it's got such an overwhelming negative impact right now. And of course, you and I both know, and so do a lot of people that would listen to this podcast, that the internet is now built by design to trigger our very worst impulses. They're they're using our amygdala, that fight or flight part of our brain to capture and hold our attention for as long as possible. So I'm going into this talk a lot these days about how we should give our attention to the helpers. Oh, I love that. Okay. We can see from a mile away who the helpers are. Talk to me about that. Well, the first thing I want to say is that people need to understand that their attention is currency. (sighs) And I just want, I I want that to set in for a second. Like your attention is valuable and, and you hit the nail on the head spot on. Social media is being engineered in such a way that they've got all these fancy algorithms in the back that help them quantify what types of content 
help them gain as much of that attention as possible. And where your attention goes, your energy starts to flow. <laughs> so I, I just want to like, I just want to set the stage there for people so that people can hopefully get a little bit more conscious about that. Right. We, we need to, we need to find ways to really understand how we better protect our attention. That's the, that's the first thing. Does that make sense, Dr. Linda? Absolutely. You know, right before we started recording this conversation, you and I had a chat about how, what we see on the feeds in our life. You know, yeah. I don't see the things that people tell me it is so awful and terrible about social media and, and, and so all, all my internet content because I am so amazingly rigorous about never, ever giving my attention. I, I want to look at that blobfish picture. I want to look at that crazy headline that says two death ships docked in Miami, but I never allow myself to click or give my attention online to anything yeah. that isn't helpful and thoughtful. Yes. Yes. And, and, and the same goes for me. I don't see it either. It's because I'm intentionally supporting good news. You know, the world is not absentee from good news. It's just, it's just being bankrupt right now, so to speak, because all the bad news is getting all of the attention. Remember I said attention is currency. So right now, you know, with everything going on with uh, COVID, a lot of small business primarily being affected, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, encouragement for people to go out and shop local and, and, and those sorts of things, which are great things. I would say the same for good news. Like go out and use your currency, which is your attention and invest it in good news. It's out there. Absolutely. If you're willing to learn, if you're willing to work for it, not work for it, but if you're willing to actually seek it out. Well, and just never go to the internet on autopilot. Like if, if I want to go get a recipe for squash, I don't let my attention drift down into the comments where a, where a fight has broken out about microwave use. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I went there for the squash recipe. I leave. I go there to see my sister's new puppy. I leave. It's this, it's this really a word that, you know, I'm, I'm really focusing on in these times is rigorous intention. Oh, I love that. We need to be, have rigorous intention when we're on the internet or it will drive our lives. And we know that it, the internet is like, is like a tool, like any other human in invention. It's like a hammer. It can be yeah. used to build things or destroy things. And now that we all are having this sort of awakening, I love your point about the, the upheaval and the, and the pandemic has allowed us to slow down and take stock and things. Yeah, you have got to tell the story. Okay, so right now we've got a few minutes left on, on this interview, but we're going to have to chat again. So I already know. Oh, of course, <laughs> I don't, we don't have to finish of questions I had. And what I'm telling people to do is do what they can do. Just don't worry about what you can't do. There's so many things we can't do right now. But again, it's back to that "what if" mind chatter thing. If you if you decide to listen to what you're, the stories you're telling yourselves. You can just put all those things you can't do on the shelf right now because they just are reality and talk about what you can do to make the world a better place. Please tell your story about the Venmo challenge. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, my girlfriend, my girlfriend has done a fantastic job building this platform online that really helps women better accept their bodies. So she really preaches body inclusivity, that, that sort of thing uh, as a former eating disorder 
individual that had an eating disorder that really suffered with that she she overcame and she's now using her platform to create a space that helps women overcome their own body image issues so okay share that with us just because i know people will be grabbing a pen yeah so her instagram handle is at fit fat and all that f-i-t-f-a-t-a-n-d-a-l-l D-H or T-H-A-T, if I can spell that correctly. Yeah, at Fifth and all that. Her name is Julia Parzik. But anyways, she's done a great job building this platform up over the last five years. And there's a restaurant just down the street here that we love. It's called Northside Cafe. And a couple of weeks ago, they announced over their social media that they were going out of business, at least temporarily, you know, during this whole uh, upheaval with the virus. So what she chose to do, talk about good news is she chose to leverage this platform. She went on, she said, Hey guys, this is what's happening with this restaurant. I'm going to plan on going for their very last night before they shut down for, you know, who knows how long to just support them. Right. Again, this whole idea of supporting local businesses. And she said, Hey, I would love if from the kindness of your hearts, you guys could leave anything. If it's a, a cent, a dollar, a couple bucks, hundred bucks, I am going to donate all this money to the very fortunate person that serves us. So she literally put this out, I think, on a Wednesday. We had plans to go in on Friday. That Friday, she opened up her Venmo and she had well over $1,600 in the Venmo from various people, you know, her followers, strangers that just donated. So we got to go there that evening. We got our favorite server who literally is just a gem of a human being, very, very sweet human being, gave us the great level of service that she always does. And at the end, Julia cashed out the money in like all hundreds and said, Hey, I just want you to know that obviously it's a difficult time right now. And we just so love you guys. We love everything that you guys have stood for in the community. And while we understand that, you know, we're going into a bit of a downturn here, we want you to know that there's still a lot of goodness out there and that we still love you. And she just gave her the $1,600. Talk about an incredible act of kindness, right? An incredible act of goodness that I got to observe in the real time. Like I had a first row seat to this. So my heart's just jumping out of my chest because I'm just super ecstatic about what I've witnessed. And, you know, over the course of the evening, she came back and she opened up and she had told us that she was just having a very difficult conversation with her dad because she, quite frankly, was a little uncertain about her next move, about how she was going to make you know uh, ends meet and then obviously shop for the holidays and everything. And so it was really cool to see how people showed up for people. Like people still have individuals' backs. And, and I, just, I just love that story. And I think it just goes so nicely with everything that you guys talk about here at Ever Widening Circles, right? It's like people are still doing good things. And we, we need to be willing to first accept that and then two, go and seek it out, you know, go and seek it out, immerse ourselves in that, in that idea, in that way of life. And then also third, for, for those that are really feeling the love and the goodness, find a way to actually like live that out. You know, if it's a small act of kindness, it goes a long way. I really do think that goodness and kindness is, is very contagious. I mean, I know that any, anytime anything good happens to me, I'm ultimately, I'm ultimately like, all right, I want to find a way to pay this forward. So that was the story. And uh, Absolutely. I was just super thankful to be a part of it. Well, you know, we talked about it earlier, but I, I haven't mentioned it yet. I just recently recorded a TEDx talk yeah. called Exposing the Conspiracy of Goodness. Loved it, by the way. And, you know, it's 12 minutes that I, I don't, I don't mind saying will 
expand exactly the story that, that Carl just told us is that I'm running around seeing so much goodness in the world and I'm calling it a conspiracy of goodness because it's being buried by the chaos on the internet. And there are countless stories like the one you just told of people being kinder than they need to be. And they're out there. We just need to elevate that on the internet and we have all the power there. So if you want to go get a spring in your step and know exactly how we open a new era that includes way more goodness and kindness. Yeah. The best thing to do is have a quick look at my TED talk, exposing the conspiracy of goodness. And Carl, <laughs> everything about Carl's work and his outlook and the ideas he's going to have to, we're going to have to wrap up with today and then talk a, another day is about this conspiracy of goodness that's right under the surface, just waiting to be elevated by us all. So, Carl, tell me where the best pe- place for people to connect with your work is. Absolutely. So, I'm fairly active on Instagram, and my handle there is just my name, at K-A-R-L dot S-O-N-A. I also just launched a new website as well, and that's carlsona.com. So, people can go there and check out things that I put out. I'm working on putting out a ton of great video content this coming year. It's one of my intentions and one of my goals to do a little bit more storytelling through video. So hopefully that'll be very, very uh, entertaining for people. And to get access to that, definitely go through Instagram as well as the uh, personal website. I'm also launching a new podcast called Dear Black CEO, in which I'm working so hard and so intentionally to change the narrative for African Americans here in the United States when it comes to building generational wealth and legacy. So this is going to be a positive platform because there's so many negative platforms again out there that paint us and our abilities as black people in America in a limited fashion. This will be a positive platform to really share more good stories and good news and good examples of what we're capable of. So be on the lookout for that as well. I can't wait. Okay. So we're going to chat a lot more about that. Yeah. And literally I have another half page of practical questions <laughs> that Carl can share with us. Yeah. And I do have, I do have to add that Carl Sona's company is the one that that edits and creates this podcast. So, so we 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 have a front row seat to each other's <laughs> effort, podcasting world. <laughs> we do, and we we love you, Doctor Linda, and we love all the work that your team at Ever Widening Circles is doing. So keep it up. I want to go on record for saying this should be part one of hopefully many other conversations. So you let me know, and I'm happy to come back whenever. I am so delighted. I can't wait. I got to ask you one last question and then you've got to run. So you may know that our tagline after the words ever widening circles, uh, we will talk about that metaphor next time too. After ever widening circles, we say it is still an amazing world. Tell me what, what you think helps you determine every day that it is still an amazing world. Oh man. That's a loaded question. I I, got to say, so I'm a God fearing man. I'm a Christian. And I think just having the opportunity to wake up as cheesy as that may sound tells me that it's still a good world. But more than that, more than that is I've had the opportunity here. My home has been flooded recently. And so I've been in a temporary home. I've had the opportunity, actually, as challenging as it's been to really enjoy the skyline views. And we have just the most epic sunrises here in Denver, where I live. And I got to tell you, man, I'm a city slicker, but something about seeing like the sun come up, 
I've just never really given myself the opportunity to like check the sun coming up. It, it just is such an act of beauty that completely goes beyond any of our abilities. Like the sun is not driven by human beings, like everything else that we've discussed on today's podcast. It just gives me hope that there's something greater out there. And I, I just believe that's God. That is our creator that has our backs, that is still finding a way to inject just pure, serene beauty into our worlds. And if we have the ability and if we choose to actually take in the beauty, what more do you need? Right. That to me is just an affirmation that it's still a good world out there. So I'll leave the audience with that. And it's an everyday promise that will show up. Yes. Reminder. Exactly. Of- it is still an amazing world. Well, thank you so much, Carl. I know you've got to run. Have a great day and we'll talk soon and we'll finish part two. Thank you, Dr. Linda. God bless you. All right. Have a good one. Okay. So that was such amazing conversation. I'm really going to have to pass this on and get to an, another episode with Carl because we had so much more that we didn't even get to. So for more information about Carl's work and any subject that we mentioned, check out the show notes below. Carl's team does a fantastic job at pulling out wonderful quotes and making sure that we've got all the links that you could have ever been curious about down below. And as always, dive into the ever-widening circles universe by visiting us at ewc.co. That's a shorthand for ever-widening circles, ewc.co. And if there are students in your life, We have an amazing version of the Everwidening Circles website at ewced.com that you can just turn them loose on with complete clarity and trust. There, we're connecting children to the wonder in the world in the most with the most amazing videography from all corners. You know, why astronauts dream? What's so special about a dog's nose? Did you know that trees are talking to each other? Oh, the content over at EWC Ed is something you can turn your kids on to and let them loose in the world of wonder, and they will automatically be better students. And subscribe to the Everwidening Circles app. That's the number one thing you can do to help our effort at Everwidening Circles. For less than a dollar a month, you will have the antidote to the daily news right in the palm of your hand. And one dollar will help us send a signal to content creators that people will support positive content. Our goal is to get a million subscribers in the coming year and send a major signal to content creators that we can open a new era and it can be a positive one. I hope all these connections to goodness and progress carry you through your week and you start finding all the joy and wonder that we've been talking about. Have a great week.